Welcome to our weekly podcast. We're in week three of a message series called I Am. For seven weeks, we're exploring the seven I Am statements that Jesus made about himself in the Gospel of John. As we've seen over the past two weeks, these statements teach us more about who Jesus is as our Messiah, Savior, and Lord. Every time Jesus said, I am, he was having a discussion with another person or a group of people about whether or not they would believe in him as the Son of God. As we learn more about who Jesus is, we're faced with the same decision today. In fact, this was John's sole purpose in writing his gospel and recording these different I am statements. John chapter 20, verse 31 is a key verse in John's gospel. This is what it says. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Friends, my prayer throughout this series is that everyone who hears these messages would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and in doing so, would follow him with your life. Today, we're going to hear Jesus say, I am the gate for the sheep. If you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 10. I'm going to break today's passage down into two parts. First, we'll read John 10 verses 1 through 6. Jesus' words in these verses would have been a familiar illustration for all who heard him speak. Then we'll read the second half, John 10 verses 7 through 10. These verses contain the practical application for our lives. Now, we're also going to jump around a little bit. We're going to go to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. And then for some context, we'll go to John chapter 9. But let's start with a familiar illustration. Jesus used the first six verses in John chapter 10 as an illustration leading to the main truths that are found in the last four verses. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what this illustration is all about ahead of time. The first six verses teach us about how Jesus is our true shepherd. Look with me to John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. This is what we read. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So verse 6 tells us that this is a figure of speech or an illustration of, it's an illustration from the world of shepherds and sheeps. Now, unless you're a literal shepherd, this is not the same world that you and I live in today. But keep in mind that most of the people who are listening in to Jesus' words, they would have understood exactly what he was talking about, with the exception of the Pharisees. The Bible says they didn't understand what he was trying to say. While others were listening in, Jesus was talking directly to the Pharisees. He was talking about two kinds of shepherds. First, the true shepherd. This is the one who goes into the sheep pen through the gate. So he goes in the right way. And then you have the false shepherd. The false shepherd enters the sheep pen by climbing over the wall like a thief or a robber in the night. The false shepherd has to sneak his way in. 
To be honest with you, I know very little about shepherding sheep, but I was able to find a few examples of what first century sheep pens would have looked like. Yet sometimes they were located out in a field, isolated from other structures, and other times they were attached to an existing building like a house. First century sheep pens were usually made of stone, and they would measure about six feet tall with a gate across the opening. As Jesus mentioned in verse 3, there always had to be a gatekeeper present when the shepherds were gone. The gatekeeper was someone who would watch over the sheep and make sure that thieves and robbers stayed out. True shepherds would come in through the gate, and they would be allowed in by the gatekeeper. In fact, I would say the gatekeeper would recognize them. When a shepherd would enter the sheep pen, his sheep were able to recognize him as well, and they recognized him by his voice. That's because it's a voice they would have heard hundreds of times. The false shepherds, the thieves and the robbers that Jesus mentioned, they represent the Pharisees and the other Jewish religious leaders who were leading God's people, the sheep, down the wrong path and away from God. To make the illustration a little more personal, and we all have people like this in our lives today, Uh, false shepherds who would lead us away from God and his word if we gave them the opportunity. And people who claim to be Christians but live in a way that goes directly against God's word. People who want to feed you worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. And people who teach God's word for their own gain. I would say various authors or so-called pastors that only want to be in the spotlight. All of these people would fall into the category of false shepherds. There are three images from these first six verses that I want to highlight and make sure you understand before we move on. First, there's the image of the sheep, and this represents the Jews who were being misled by their leaders. Second, there's the image of the gate. Now, I believe this represents authority, specifically Jesus's authority, and I'll talk about this more later on in the message. Third, there's the image of the false shepherds, the thieves and the robbers that Jesus talked about. This represents the Jewish leaders who were leading God's people away from the truth. The main point that Jesus was making in the first six verses is that there's only one true shepherd, and he was talking about himself. The true shepherd has the authority to enter the gate. Only true shepherds were allowed to enter the sheep pen, and Jesus is the true shepherd of our lives. The Jewish religious leaders were false shepherds. They didn't have the authority to enter through the gate. They had to find some other way into the lives of people, sneaking around like thieves in the night. Their only goal was to puff themselves up and to lead God's people astray. That's what false shepherds do. If we jump down to verse 16, and this is a verse that I'll talk more about next week. Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The sheep in the first six verses represent the Jewish people. But these other sheep that Jesus talked about in verse 16 represent the Gentiles. It represents all of us. This would be all believers throughout all time. Jesus not only came for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. He came for everyone who would believe in him. And that's why I like to say the gospel is for everyone. So this would have been a familiar illustration for most of the Jewish people. Everyone knew what being a shepherd was all about. A shepherd was supposed to be an honorable and trustworthy person. A shepherd spent his time taking care of his sheep. He would protect them from predators, protect them from poisonous food. He would guide them to good pasture. He'd make sure they got plenty of rest. He knew each sheep by name. And he would work at building a relationship with them that was built on trust. 
And that's why this was a familiar illustration. You know, first century Jews knew all about what it meant to be a shepherd. They also knew that God is depicted as a shepherd in the Old Testament, which is a picture of how he would lead them and care for them. Some of the most famous Old Testament characters were shepherds. I think of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. All these men were shepherds. And one of the most prominent shepherds in the Old Testament was King David. Shepherds were known for their courage, and David exemplified this trait. Listen to how David risked his life for his father's sheep in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 through 36. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping your father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. So David, a shepherd, was also a lion killer and a bear killer. I think if I were in his shoes and a lion came and took one of my sheep away, I'd probably just count my losses. I don't think I would go after it. There are a lot of prominent shepherds in the Old Testament. But the most famous shepherd of them all is mentioned in Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. Together, these psalms make up what's commonly referred to as the shepherd psalms. Psalm 22 points to the Messiah as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We're going to talk about this more next week. Psalm 23 points to the Messiah as the great shepherd who cares for his sheep. And Psalm 24 points to the Messiah as the chief shepherd who will one day return in glory to reward his sheep for their service. The Jewish people understood the language that Jesus was using. And they knew that God was their true shepherd. And now, as Jesus stood there talking to the Pharisees with other Jewish people listening in, he made the case that he is, in fact, the true shepherd. In the New Testament, there are several places where Jesus is referred to as our shepherd. In Matthew chapter 18, we read about how Jesus is the shepherd who will risk his life to seek and save the sheep that go astray. In Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus is called the great shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus is our true shepherd. But what about all these false shepherds, the thieves and robbers that Jesus talked about? Well, to fully understand what he was saying, we need to go all the way back to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel chapter 34. I've said many times that all of God's word, Genesis to Revelation, is about Jesus. It all points us to Jesus. I think you're going to be amazed at what we read in this passage. Ezekiel 34 does a great job at explaining the differences between true and false shepherds. We'll start in Ezekiel 34 verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 10, and then we'll read verses 11 through 16. So beginning in verse 1, this is what we read. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. So right away, there's some familiar language here. And then he continues, he says, Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You've not gone looking for those who've wandered away and are lost. Instead, you've ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So this entire first section, I believe, highlights the characteristics of false shepherds. 
Now let's jump down to verse 10. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. And then we'll pick up in verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. They will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. So what's this passage all about? Well, it's about the religious leaders who got caught up in their own selfish ambitions, neglecting to care for God's people. But it's also about the coming of the Messiah and ultimately the second coming of Christ. Where human shepherds fail, Jesus, our Messiah, does not. And when our human leaders fail us, we can be reminded that our God never will. That's because God always takes responsibility for his sheep. Let's continue. We'll pick up by reading verses 23 and 24. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's important to point out that King David died long before the prophet Ezekiel penned these words. So we know this isn't about him. When Ezekiel wrote and said, one shepherd, my servant David, This isn't talking about King David. Instead, it's talking about the Messiah who had come from the line of David. It's about Jesus. Ezekiel was writing about how the Messiah will be the one true shepherd who will gather his people, not only from Israel, but from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Ezekiel concludes this chapter with these words in verse 31. You are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people, and I am your God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. So this is a prophecy about the Messiah, a prophecy that is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is our one true shepherd. And that's why the Pharisees were so angry with him all the time. And especially on this occasion in John chapter 9 and John 10, he was claiming to be the one true shepherd of all who are in a right relationship with God, something they knew very little about. Now, if we're going to fully understand and apply the truths that we read about in John chapter 10, Jesus' third I am statement, we need to understand the context in which the statement was made. For that, we have to go back to John chapter 9. This chapter is all about Jesus healing the man who was born blind. As Jesus was traveling one day, he encountered a man who was blind from birth. Now, in those days, people believed this must have been a result of his parents' sin, especially if you were born like this. But Jesus reassured them that his condition was not a result of sin, but instead was given to him so that God's power and God's glory could be on full display throughout his life. After explaining these things, 
Jesus did something kind of gross. He spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and then put it on the man's eyes. He then told him to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. The blind man did exactly what Jesus asked him to do. And we learn that he was healed of his blindness. Now, the Pharisees were really upset about this. You know, they always found a way to make things about themselves instead of glorifying God. They were upset because Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, and they equated this with work. After investigating the man and investigating his family, they still weren't satisfied with the answers they were given. They accused Jesus of being a sinner and wanted the man to come clean about what actually happened. Well, this was the man's response in John chapter 9, verse 25. I think this is amazing. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Rather than celebrating with the man, the Pharisees hurled insults at him, and they wanted to condemn Jesus as a sinner. All they cared about was enforcing their 600-plus man-made laws, their rules and regulations. They were acting like the false shepherds that we read about in Ezekiel 34. Remember, verse 4 says, You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended to the sick and bound up the injured. You've not gone looking for those who've wandered away and are lost. Instead, you've ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So this man was born physically blind, but the religious leaders were spiritually blind. John chapter 9 concludes with Jesus having a conversation with the man he'd just healed. He asked him if he believed in the Son of Man. And this is a really powerful moment in John's gospel. I don't want you to miss this. Listen to the conversation that Jesus had with him. John chapter 9, verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I've come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and they asked, What, are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Jesus called these religious leaders out as men who were spiritually blind. They were false shepherds who neglected their sheep and led them away from God. Helen Keller, who lost her sight and her hearing, once said, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Friends, being born physically blind would be very hard. There's no doubt about that. But living with spiritual blindness is far worse. And this is the context for John chapter 10. We read the first six verses where Jesus used a familiar illustration. We looked at the differences between false shepherds and true shepherds in Ezekiel 34. And then we looked at the context behind Jesus' third I am statement. Now we're going to read Jesus' third statement, what he said about himself. This is where the practical application comes from. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So in verse 7, Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. 
He was saying, I'm the one true God. I am the true shepherd. I'm the gate or the door to salvation and a full life. Remember, the gate represents authority. Only Jesus has the authority to offer salvation. And that's what he offers people today. Now, the statement, I am the gate, is all about salvation. Salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. True freedom is only found in Jesus. Freedom from the requirements of false religion. Freedom from our own sin and disobedience. And freedom to truly live as we follow the lead of the one true shepherd. My question for you today is this. Do you know this kind of freedom? Verse 10 concludes with a warning, but it also contains a promise. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the warning, but here's the promise. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. False shepherds, they have mayhem on their minds. They only want to lead God's people down the wrong path. So we have to watch out for false shepherds in our lives today. We should test everything that we hear and everything we believe against God's word. But Jesus comes to give life and to give it to the full. Jesus is the true shepherd of God's people. He's the true gate or the door that leads to salvation and a full life. Well, Jesus asked the man who was born blind if he believed in the Son of Man, the one who would save his people from their sins. And the man said, who is he? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, he's the one speaking to you. And then he identified himself as the one true shepherd, the shepherd who is the gate of salvation that leads to life. Friends, today I want to implore you to trust in Jesus as your one true shepherd. Jesus is the gate, is the door that leads to salvation and a full life.